Last week we mentioned the scripture, the city on a hill. It's kind of been our theme for our holiness table, our lovely little light on a hill up there, city on a hill. And this week we're actually going to spend some more time looking at that scripture in particular, what that scripture means for us. As Christians, what is that scripture telling us? Now, the scripture is in Matthew 5. We're looking at 13 through 16. So if you want to follow along, we're going to start with Matthew 5. Now, this kind of is going along what we've been discussing in Sunday school about Christians who worry about being politically correct. Christians who adjust biblical principles so that they support social norms. And by social norms, that's things that society thinks is okay. Not morals. And in fact, a lot of times, especially in today's world, social norms kind of have us questioning people's morals, don't they? Society says it's okay, but we know it isn't. And there's been a lot of publicity about the church and leaders adjusting biblical principles so that they can be politically correct. Instead of worrying about what the Bible says, they're worried about what society is saying is acceptable. And it kind of led me to this. How many of you guys have ever worn something camouflage? In fact, hold that up. What do you have right there? Is that a camouflage holy Bible? Camouflage is very popular, right? How many of you guys have ever worn camouflage? Were you trying to blend in with your surroundings or were you just wearing it there? Just wearing it. We were not hunting. We were not trying to blend in anywhere. We were not sneaking up on any deer, were we? Just wearing it, right? Because it's kind of popular. Camouflage may be popular. You have some camouflage? Camouflage pants? You have a camouflage Bible, too. I'll tell you what it is dangerous to wear camouflage. When you're a Christian and the camouflage isn't the clothes you wear or a pattern, but instead... It's how you act. When you're a Christian and nobody knows because you act like all your other friends who aren't. And that's sad that there are Christians out there who are fine, who are okay, who think it's acceptable to only be a Sunday Christian. Or we'll give them a benefit of a doubt. They're a Sunday and Wednesday Christian. We talked about that in Sunday school, you know. If you're only going, it's like a meal. We eat three meals a day, seven days a week, that's 21 meals. But if we're only doing it two times out of the week, that's what? We still got 19 meals we're missing. But there are some Christians out there who are fine with missing 19 meals. They are fine with being a Christian and identifying themselves as Christians, 
as long as it doesn't cramp their style or get in the way of them doing the things they really want to do. They're Christians until. And so the question is, is when you're living the life of a Christian and nobody can tell the difference in you. Are you living the life of a Christian? Matthew 5, 13 through 16, we are told by Jesus exactly who we are and who he wants us to be. So if you have that, Matthew 5, follow along with me. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. And so they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What is it saying? It says we are the salt and the light. So what exactly is Jesus telling us to do? And what is he saying? Salt and light. Your seasoning and illumination? <laughs> He's saying that we need to be pure, letting us our light shine as a light so that others can see it and be saved. I said our theme this month was going to be outreach. Part of that is letting our light shine. So that people can see it. We're to be different. Through that difference, we set the example for others to see. And that example, that light, is what helps others be able to find Jesus, to see Jesus, because they see it in us. So, first thing. What does it mean when it says you are the salt of the earth? It's saying be different. Now, have you ever had bad salt? Have you ever had salt that didn't taste salty? No, you know why? Because people throw it away before it gets there. You're not going to serve someone bad salt. If it, you throw it away before it goes bad, you get rid of it. Because after salt loses its saltiness, it's no longer good. Verse 13 in Matthew says, It's not good for anything other than to be thrown out and trampled under your feet. <laughs> it's worthless. The same thing even goes for contaminated salt. If salt's found to be contaminated, what do you do? You throw it away, don't you? You say, nope, not using this. In fact, when people used to dispose of bad salt, they wouldn't even throw it in the garden or in a field because they were afraid that the bad salt would kill off other vegetation. It was instead thrown into the pathways that were dirt so that it would disappear. Now, we think of salt and we think of a seasoning, right? 
something that we may or may not put on our food. Sometimes we can take it or leave it kind of thing, right? But what I, was to what I would need us to understand is that in Matthew, when Jesus is comparing us to salt, he's not comparing us to a table condiment. He's not saying it's something that you can pick up in packages when you get your silverware. Salt was a very important thing back in biblical times. It was even a sign of purity, for salt that wasn't pure was useless. They used it to preserve things, to save things, to keep things good. They didn't have refrigerators. If you wanted your meat to last, it was salted so that it didn't spoil or rot. They used it to keep things good and pure. So what Jesus is saying is, is that we are the salt. We are what he wants to use to keep us pure and good, to keep others pure and good. To be different than the things of the world, set apart for God. The importance of us being the salt of the earth and staying pure can be found in Romans 2, 12. Romans 2, 12 says that, or 2, or 12, 2, rather. I'm having a little confusion moment back there. Don't want to confuse you guys. Romans 12, 2. Do not confirm any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not to confirm conform to the world. Haven't we been talking about that? Paul even calls out a church in Corinthians for it. 2 Corinthians 10, 2. 2 Corinthians 10, 2 says, I beg that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. He's telling them. He goes, I'm coming to see you guys. And when I get there, I hope that you guys have shaped up better than what you've been doing and what I've been hearing about. You guys think that it's okay to live as the world lives, even though you've been called to be set apart? Paul's telling that to the ancient church in Corinth, but he might as well be telling us that today. Second Corinthians 10.3, he even goes a little further. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We live in it, but we're not to act like it, to be a part of the way it is. We are not part of this world, but instead we are called to be different, pure and holy in the eyes of the Lord. For, what, for that's what he asks us to do. <laughs> Here you go. I once heard someone say this. Live your life so they don't have to lie at your funeral. Live your life so that they don't have to lie at your funeral. If we are living the kind of life that we are called to when we are told to be the salt of the earth, then at the end of our days, even God will say, Well done, that good and faithful servant. 
And isn't that what we want to hear? Well done. We are called to be different, to be set apart, to set an example, which is the second thing. Jesus also tells us that we are the light of the world. We all know the usefulness of a, usefulness of a candle or a flashlight in the darkness. But if you were to take a flashlight and point it to the ground in a dark room, or point it around in a dark room, you would see the beam, right? But if you use your hand and you cover the light, are you going to see anything? No. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God said that light shine out of darkness. Make his light shine in our hearts to give us the light or our knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Let our light shine out of darkness. Make his light shine in our hearts to give us the light, knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Jesus is the light. Jesus is telling us to be the light. We sing that prayer course to be like Jesus. That's perfect when we're talking about that. We're saying, Lord, let me be like you. Let me be light. Jesus has commanded us to go out and be the light to the world that is shrouded in darkness from sin. We are how Jesus' light is seen to those living in darkness. That means that we must get out there. Now we are called not to be a part of the world, which means not to live as the world. It doesn't mean that we're called to be separated completely. We are to let our light shine. Separate in thoughts, in action, in deeds, reflective of the light of Christ, but shining in the darkness of the world. We have a light of the glory of God within us that comes from the salt being pure and holy, being set apart. That light is within our hearts and it is a beacon a witness that we must let shine forth to deprive the world of light is to go against the will of God. We shouldn't hide our light, but instead, like a city on a hill that is not hidden, so should our light shine. Being the light means that we live, we lead a different life than those of the world. It is that difference that is the light where there is an absence from it. That's when the light is the brightest. In the darkness of the world, light shall shine. We're going to be salt, pure salt. And a beacon of light, a beacon of hope in the darkness of the world, making us different. But this difference is what makes the difference. It doesn't matter what age we are. Whether we feel we're too young or we feel we're too old. It doesn't matter what's come before. 
who we were before. For when we have the light of Jesus in our hearts, when we've accepted Jesus in our hearts, and that light is shining forth, that light, his light, is all that matters. Paul offered these words to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and in purity. I challenge you to think of this and do one further. It says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. He's speaking to Timothy, who was young when he started the ministry. But I challenge us to look at this verse and see it as, don't let anyone look down on you because of who you are. Whether you're young, whether you're old, Whatever your past was. Don't let anyone look down on you because of who you were. But know who you are. And set an example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. Set that example. Whether we know it or not, that example is what's going to make a difference because that example is what is going to be used to influence us. That light is what is going to light someone's dark world. <laughs> Whether we know it or not, anyone that we have ever met has left their fingerprints upon our soul. The same goes with anyone who they've ever met. Our fingerprints are now on their soul. Think about it. Have you ever hung out with someone enough that you start picking up their mannerisms? And you catch yourself doing it, and you go, oh my goodness, you've been hanging out with so-and-so too much, right? People are going to pick up something simple and unintentionally pick something up like that. What kind of example are we going to be setting that people may unintentionally be picking up? We are the salt and the light. By the way that we influence those around us, we are called to set that example. What are they picking up around us? In moments of despair, people often think that the world would be a better place without them. Some well-known shows have had that plot of what would the world be like if so-and-so was never born. In fact, probably one of the most famous movies to use that storyline was It's a Wonderful Life. George Bailey was convinced that the world would be a better place without him and had attempted to end his life by jumping off a bridge. He was saved by his guardian angel that then showed him what the world would really be like if George Bailey had never existed. The guardian angel Clarence then tells him, one man's life touches so many others that when he's not there, it can leave an awful big What do we learn from that? If one man's life can touch so many others that the absence of it leaves a big hole, think about what the presence we have in their lives is doing. How are we influencing them? What are we teaching them? What examples are we showing them? 
So we leave the fingerprints, we leave imprints on those we meet. What kind of example, what kind of impression are we making on them? No one can come into this world without adding to or subtracting from the sum total of goodness and righteousness in the world. We really do leave our fingerprints on those we meet, whether we mean to or not. Verse 13 and 14 of Matthew 5 says, We as Christians are the only light and the only salt in the world. Without Christians there to do it, the dark will not be we are put here to make a difference. That difference is by being the light, by being the salt, by being a godly Christian, by setting an example, by refusing to bend to social norms. And by making that difference and reaching out to others and ministering and witnessing to other people according to what is biblical. And sometimes it's as simple as leading that, showing that, doing that by setting an example of our lives. There's advice offered to pastors, to preachers, and it says, preach a sermon every Sunday. You may do, but preach a sermon every day of your life. And when needed, use words. You don't have to be a preacher or a pastor to do that. You can live your life by a godly example. And your example is your testimony. Your example is your witness. You can witness to everybody around you. And honestly, not even have to speak a single word. Part of our theme has been outreach. Reaching out and touching someone's life. And we talk about how when we interact with somebody, we're leaving a fingerprint, our imprint on their souls. Whether we know it or not, so let us start consciously being aware of what people see when they see us. Do they see Christ? Do they see that light? mentioned it before, salt is used as a preserver. Jesus is asking us to be a preserver. To be saving others. Keeping them fresh. Keeping them pure. Helping them to avoid becoming morally rotten. Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise but a companion of fools will suffer harm. We are to talk wisely so that those walking with us will also follow, walk wisely, talk wisely on the path of righteousness. Edmund Burke says this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. We must be willing to stand up for what is morally right. We must be willing to draw a clear line in what is morally sound and biblically true and what is not. Some lack the courage need to stand up for themselves, but if they see someone else standing up first, well then, their courage will grow. 
Okay, fall in line with the game of follow the leader. And so as Christians, it's up to us to take that lead, to stand up and to set the example for others to follow. Titus 2, verses 7 and 8. Titus 2, verses 7 and 8 says, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. We are called to influence others by letting our light shine and being different. We are put on this earth for a purpose, yet some come into this world and do not know what that is. We were made to serve God and to worship Him. Yet there are those out there who don't know Him. Those who are wandering around Crass and darkness dying every day. There are those out there in the world who sin because they don't know, they don't see the light, they're rotting away like meat left exposed. We as Christians, though, we're that salt to help preserve them. We have a purpose. We're that light to help guide them out of the darkness. To help them be spiritually and morally preserved and to guide them with our light. We influence those around us to be the salt and the light. We need to make our Christian walk and our Christian witness worth one following, though. So are we. It may sound like a silly question, but are you salty enough? Is your salt pure in the eyes of the Lord? Do you shine your light in the darkness? Is your witness as strong as God would like your witness to be? Or do you worry about conforming or not standing out? If we are in Christ and we are no part of the world, we will be different from those in the world, and if our light is shining and our salt is good and fresh, being different will make those in the world want to be different, too. We shouldn't want to blend in. Christians shouldn't wear spiritual camouflage. Who we are is part of our witness, part of our outreach. The fact that they can tell we are Christians, that we are believers, that we have the light of Christ in our hearts and the love of Christ. We should stand up and stand out for Christ. So the question is, is do we? Are we willing? I ask today that you would make it your prayer. That this, your salt would be pleasing to the mouth of God. That your light would be a beacon in darkness. Ask him for his guidance and for his strength that he will equip us. He will never give us something that we cannot handle through him. So take this time, we're going to take a time in prayer. The altar's here if you need it. But take this time to make it a promise to stand up, to stand out, to reach out. To let your light shine. To let your example be pure.
May you be the salt that leads a pleasing taste in the mouth of the Lord. As the song plays, as that you take this time, just take this time in prayer. That you truly are the salt and the light of the world, willing to stand up, to stand out, so that you may in turn be reaching out to those around you, leading by example and influencing their lives for the better. So that they, too, can become light, can become a witness. Think about it. If you shared the gospel, if you shared your testimony, your witness, the love of God with somebody, that they came to know it, came to believe it. And if you shared it with not just one person, but five people, who shared it with five people, and so on and so forth down the line, Think of the people who could be reached. How will they know, though? How will they hear if they are not? Let's make that commitment to reach out, to stand out, to stand up. So that people may see us and know him. So as the music plays, just take this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now. Lord, may we be salt, a pleasing taste in your mouth, Lord. May our light be shining so that others may see and come to know you. May we be willing to stand out, stand up, and to reach out, Lord, for those who need to know. Lord, use us as your witness as your testimony of your love to this world. <laughs> 
We ask all these things through your beloved son, Jesus. Amen.